Hi, Mayor. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? It's, I'm doing good. Yeah. It's been yeah. a couple of days, right? It has been a couple of days since we talked. Yeah. But we talk a little bit more frequently, which is nice. It's when you can have a have a free moment to talk. Yeah. I'm always available because I love you, Mary. Yeah, I love you too, which is one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. Is a good a good place to see each other on the podcast? It is. It's a great excuse just to sit and chat and have other people kind of listen in. Yeah, and maybe send us questions. Yeah. So and the, so we named our podcast ALS Caregivers and Beyond. And if I'm a first time listener, which everybody will be, because this is our first podcast, season one, episode yeah, one. I'm a first time podcaster. Yeah, you are, and you're doing spectacular. Thank you. <laughs> they would want to know what does beyond mean. What it does beyond mean to you? Well, to me, beyond means what happens when the caregiving life is over. And in my case, that's because my husband passed away from ALS. And my beyond is just trying to figure out what my life is like um, without my husband. That's a tough place to be. It is. It's a place I never thought I would be. It's one of those places that happens to other people. Other people, you know, other couples have terminal diseases. It wasn't something that was supposed to happen to us, but it did. And I'm hoping with, you know, us being able to discuss your journey, my journey, uh, the journeys we're going to have in a year from now, which, you know, we'll all be in different places that people can see that you can go through things like this and and still stand. I mean, that's really, I think, the point is to be able to share our journey so other people don't feel alone and scared as they move to the next step. Because, I mean, our, our wheelhouse is ALS, but this could apply to anyone with a terminal disease or any type of caregiving that eventually will come to an end. Do you think that you felt like a caregiver when you were caring for your husband? Like, did you, I guess, I think what I really mean to say is, did you identify as a caregiver? Well, you and I have talked about this. I didn't. You've been caregiving much longer than me. My caregiving journey was very short, six years, six and a half years. And I didn't. I had been married 25 years when Tom was diagnosed with ALS. And in the beginning, it was, and I think a lot of caregivers, they're just the daughter looking after the parent or the spouse looking after their loved one. And you don't really see yourself as a caregiver. You're just a family member, but it was connecting with other people. And really, um, as I love to tell people, um, stalking you, um, and really getting to know you and your journey, being able to, that helped me identify as a caregiver. And I think things started to fall in place that I was more than his wife. I was his caregiver. I was his advocate, which I think is really the, 
the role that caregivers play. They're not one thing. They're, there's so many other titles wrapped up in caregiver, financial planner, you know, end of life planner, clinician, social worker, advocate. Oh, you froze on me there for a minute. So I'll, I'll fill in since Laura's frozen on screen right now is, um, so I okay. definitely agree. Caregiver takes on such. You you froze on me. I know, and then after you said it, you froze on me. So there must be a glitch in the. Oh, there must be. Yeah. yeah. So this That's is okay. Our, so everybody should just know that we're not going to go back and edit any of this because nobody no. time. So just have a good laugh. <laughs> it's the ALS life that we know and love so much. Is there any good plan day is sure to go to hell around here? <laughs> Yeah, there's probably going to be dogs barking here soon. Everything happens. It just is. We 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 hope to give you, um, our listeners, a good sense of, within reason, of what our journeys have been like and are now and where you are and where I am. And I say within reason because, you know, there's obviously some things that are just best left between the person and you care for or your family. Um, and it doesn't mean that that things were not, you know, that 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 hard things didn't happen to us, but maybe it's just something we can't touch. There's a lot of vulnerability in sharing stories like this. And I think I think we're really good sharers. So I think that when people are listening to us um, chat about what this journey is like for us, they'll gain some comfort just by knowing they're not alone. At least that's usually what I hope for. I think I hope that for this too, but I also hope that our listeners will feel empowered themselves to advocate as particularly in the VA lane as both of our husbands were veterans with ALS, that we help them to be better, stronger, more informed advocates. I agree. I think that's, you know, one of the things when you and I first met, that was uh, just a conversation that we had all the time is, is things shouldn't be this hard. We should be able just to spend time with our loved one. And like you said, our, you know, our path has been with the VA. And so, you know, fighting for benefits and services should never be that hard. And, and you and I connected that way. And so I agree. I hope listeners, whether they're in the VA space or not VA space, they're fighting their own insurance. I think there's something that you can get from that. You can get, um, you know, you can see us that we've managed to advocate successfully. I'm, I'm pretty confident in, in our advocacy efforts. We've both done very well, um, for our husbands and for other caregivers. So they can see that they can, they can do the same thing that we're, we're we are not special. Um, we just, you know, see a need to fight. And so we do it. Mm. And here's the reality. There's German Shepherd coming back. I heard them. Well, my dog is like half dead today because I took her for a walk and it's humid out. And we we didn't even hit a mile. She walked like two feet behind me. This is a dog that's not even two years old. She's like, I don't know, 22 months old. You would think that she was 90 the way she was walking this morning. And now she's just, she's not, believe me, it was very early in the morning. So it wasn't like she's not having like heat stroke or anything like that. She's just so lazy when it comes to walking. And now she's, I don't even know. She's like laying there in a in a sleep coma now. <laughs> yeah, my my female, she's been very spicy the last two days. So 
I'm not sure what's going on with her. Just way more energy than normal. Oh, Lord. She needs a good walk, too, probably. Yeah. Well, so I just want to, you know, share a little bit about my caregiver journey. I often don't think of myself as a caregiver. I know that I am a caregiver. Um, certainly the VA sees me as a caregiver. <laughs> but I, I don't normally think of myself on the day-to-day as a caregiver because I think that that's a tough identity to to wear for me all the time. I have to find my own identity throughout the day sometimes. It was easier when I was younger and I was working. Um, It's a little more difficult now because it does feel very task-oriented, which is very much an ALS caregiver life. We do a lot of tasks throughout our day. In fact, I think yesterday I said to Tom, it's like, I have a PhD in task mastering. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Mary. The taskmaster. <laughs> That's what I always thought I, I had. I was like so skilled in logistics management. And I'm like, man, I can, that's, how do I parlay that into the real world after I care get? Because that's all it is. It's just logistics, making sure everything and everybody and all the equipment and supplies are where they need to be at the right time. Yeah, it's always a, it's like a balancing act too, you know, and then squeezing out time. Well, last week when we talked, I, I had just finished working out and it was three or three o'clock in the afternoon and I was just dripping in sweat and I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> yeah. It's just the way it's gotta be. So, and so I was a caregiver for Tom in night from 1993 to today, which this year is 30 years. It's a long time. He had encephalitis, which affected his cognition, his ability to think well. So he's got a cognitive impairment. Um, it affects his executive functioning. So with difficulty staying on task and um, doing like more than two or three things on a list, you know, verbal or written down, you know, just staying on task is really a challenge for him. But I did not think of myself as a caregiver for 20 years. I just got busy, you know? I mean, he's the love of my life and I couldn't imagine walking away from him. I couldn't imagine not staying there. I missed him terribly. I had a lot of grief in those early years after he got sick because he was different and he is different. And he just said to me yesterday too, we had quite a weekend. It was very, he was really kind of awful weekend cognitively. And then he said to me, I think you just want me to be the way I used to be, the old Tom. And then I cried and I said, I do. Because even this many years later, I still want that guy back. I don't, yeah. I like this guy and I'm going to stay here and I'm, I'm, I'm here to the very end. And I love him still so much, but I still want the old guy back. So I don't, I guess that never goes away. There's no resolution, no bigger resolution. And I don't think about it all day, every day. It's not like in the early days where you, you're really feeling all that so heavy. It's less, but because we are progressing in the disease of ALS, there's just more and more losses. It just feels like so many losses all the time, even though there are little ones for him, it's still a loss. It's like, I, I hate loss. You know, I do, I do. Like I had to have a tooth pulled like 15 years ago when I cried, I was like, I don't really want to have my tooth pulled. <laughs> it, I don't, I'll never have it again. <laughs> I just took it so hard. It was so weird. And so I just, I guess I find now you're moving through the journey of, you know, ALS, it's like the losses are coming. You don't even have time to understand and process before that next one hits. So there's no, there's just no 
plateau or anything. I mean, that's what I'm, I, I can totally relate to it. They just, for us, they came so fast. I mean, it was diagnosis and then passing within six years and four months. Mm -hmm. And so that was really good. And it was hard to identify as a caregiver. But then I think because I, I was doing so much because ours was very intensive in the last three years that it was hard for me to see myself as his wife mm -hmm. because I was so just constant in that caregiver role. I, I found a hard time to, to step away. And you and I had talked about that. I mean, we've talked about that for years, especially as it was getting harder and harder as this progression was getting closer and closer to the end. I, I, I understand that. And I agree with you for us. It's just a different, it's a slower loss, you know, mm -hmm. and we have, and I think that that's probably one of the really nice things about doing this podcast with you is going to be able to share these two diverse uh, stories. They are, they're so different and I'm going to really try to stop saying, I think <laughs> it's okay. I say that a lot, but I watched this guy on, um, I'll have to find his name. We'll have to tag him in this. He's on TikTok. He's a lawyer. And mm -hmm. he said, stop, stop beginning your sentences with, I think. And I was like, oh, no, I just said, I think like 40 times. <laughs> I don't, I forget even why he says that. I'll go back and listen to it. And we'll, I'll put it in the show notes, that little TikTok piece. He's a, he's a really cool speaker. He, he puts out little good little tidbits on communication, which don't necessarily work in the lane we're in with caregiving. Yeah, it, it works more with other people in our life, maybe, or when you're working or with friends and stuff like that. But the kind of caregiving that we're, that we've done, that I'm doing, that you did, it doesn't, his communication solutions do not always work well, because there's sometimes there's tiptoeing that we have to do around what's happening with our person with ALS. And I will say we'll refer to our husbands as veterans often because they are service connected for their ALS. Veterans get ALS at, at least twice, if not more that than, than that than civilians do. And so we have a lot of experience with the VI, but this is not a veteran centered podcast. We're here to talk to ALS caregivers and those who have gone through this and who are in the beyond. Yes. So we'll spend a lot of time um, talking about the kinds of caregiver things that we struggled with. I think one of the topics we should cover, I said, I think again, I'm going to have to pay my- it's, it's cool. I'm good. We'll work on it. Okay. We'll work on it. <laughs> We're, we are going to talk about- We're going to get some kind of buzzer that I can just hit you from, you know, from here, from Texas to North Carolina. Stop. <laughs> okay. That would be good. And then I can bounce out for something. We will be discussing how ALS has affected our relationships with our spouses, where that crossover from caregiver to spouses, where the blurred lines are, where we leave spouse behind and we just become caregiver and the challenges that it, that is. We'll, we will likely talk about that in almost every podcast to some degree because it's it's so powerful. Yeah, and then, I mean, because I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm on that other side of the caregiver journey that I can guarantee that there'll be that discussion a lot about death and, and, you know, recovering from caregiving 
I don't think enough people talk about that, that when your caregiving is over, it's, it's more than just the grief part of it. And so hopefully people, we can normalize some things, normalize caregiving, the, you know, the extensiveness of some caregiving, normalize death and life after death. That's what I, that, that's my goal. That's, that's what I hope. And that people, again, like I said earlier, that they can see that we're talking about this, that they can survive it. Cause the, one of the first things that I thought when Tom was diagnosed was there is no way I'm going to survive life without him. And I honestly didn't think I would. We were married 32 years when he passed. I was just a babe. You and I both were very young when we met our husbands. Um, and if anybody hasn't picked up both of our husbands' name, it's Tom. Yeah. So it's Tom. Mary's Tom, Tom and Laura's Tom. It's the Tom Toms. It's the Tom Toms. It's the Tom. But yeah, I mean, I, I hope people just maybe find some comfort that they're not alone. That's what I hope too. And we we will get there with this podcast. We we could talk about the day, um, maybe on the next podcast. We, we haven't decided yet, but we'll throw some ideas out there. When our husbands were first diagnosed, it's most certainly a notable day in your life. Yeah. When you know that your loved one has ALS. Tom's had ALS for 13 years. I just said that to somebody this morning. I think it was in a group. I think it was in a in a support group on Facebook because they were a few years into it themselves and wanted to know what, what does that look like as time goes on? And I said, I don't, you know, nobody has, nobody can see that. You don't know. Well, I don't know. We might, I might not survive the day. So I don't, I don't know what it looks like. I can say this with absolute certainty is one person with ALS is one person with ALS. I've never met two people who have had an identical course of ALS. Mm -hmm. There might be some out there, but I, I've never met any, and I've met a lot of people over the last 13 yeah. years. I haven't either. I haven't met anybody that had the same seemingly progression that Tom had. Yeah, everybody's, you've been to one VA, you've been to one VA, if you know one ALS patient, you know one ALS patient. That's true, but we will, but we do. So it sounds like, well, what could we be talking about then if everybody's different? Because there's a lot of similarities in, mm -hmm how we feel about it, how we process it. I know for me personally, there are many who view me as being incredibly strong. And I know that you see the parts of me that other people don't see. I'm not always that strong. I, it's a lot that I will not share on social media. I don't think it's the place to share it. Do I think a podcast is? I think, I think it's for a lot of people. For me, it would be okay to share more in this podcast because it's specifically for ALS. I do another podcast called This Caregiver Life, which is much more general. And I have shared bits and pieces of my journey, but I have not shared like I will on this podcast because then it's more like ALS on that podcast. And I will say if ALS pretty much dominates my life, it's hard for me to get a breath in without thinking about ALS. So. Yeah, I think I found that that sometimes I had to digest what was happening before I could share what was happening. I mean, you and I, you and I would speak a lot towards Tom, the end of Tom's life. So you, you kind of, you knew what was going on in the moment, the issues that we were facing, those issues that sometimes I was even afraid to admit 
um, are to realize. And so I think sharing wise, like I share on a blog, I have a, you know, tomstroops.com that, that typically once I'm able to process what was happening or what even now what is happening, I can then share it. But I do agree. There's some things when he was alive that were harder to share, mainly out of, I think, respect for him. And then with hindsight, I can see that maybe those things may be good to share in the future. So others are not struggling. Because I, I think there were some things I struggled with. Um, and, and you and I talked about it. Um, with ALS, sometimes FTD, frontal temporal dementia, comes into play. And that's hard when you're, you know, you're, you were told that ALS was only going to impact their body and not take their mind. And then, like you mentioned earlier, your husband is not the same husband as before encephalitis. You know, I experienced um, a change in Tom during his, especially the end of his ALS progression um, due to FTD. But as we're able to process it and talk about it, maybe that will help the next person that comes after us. And, and I know you and I both have really tried, that's how we focused our energy with this ALS. I mean, you can, you can definitely focus your energy in so many ways when it comes to advocacy, advocating just for awareness, advocating for like what we do, veterans benefits and services, you know, access to medication, however you want to hit that, whatever your niche is in this advocacy world. You and I both have been very much, you know, hoping that whatever we can do and share can help the next person and the next family. So they just don't have to work so hard and they can just spend the limited time they have being a family and not strong advocates. And there are organizations today that have gotten better or mm -hmm. maybe not organizations that have gotten better, but there are organizations who have helped to bridge that gap in information for people with ALS and, and their family members or their loved ones. Yeah. Um, one of them is um, I am ALS. They have branched off to, or I, I may have that wrong, but they, the um, Brian Wallach and his wife, Sandra um, have created an organization called Synapture, which essentially, if I have it correct, is they become case managers. You can also um, have doctor appointments virtually through Synapture, which is, which is great. I mean, that was never there before. So trying to get the things that you need through Medicare and if going to a clinic is too tough for you. Maybe we can get somebody on from Synapture eventually as a guest on the show. And then the same thing with the VA, although not, not quite 100% like Synapture offers those services. Um, and I believe they offer them for free. Uh, the VA also has ALS care managers, or I don't even know what they're called, ALS. I think, um, um, I think it's like case managers or that they're starting to institute like at the vision level, which is the mm -hmm. Veteran Integrated Service Network. Yeah, we have one in RVA. I'll find out more about that too. Maybe I'll ask her if she'll want to come on as a, a guest too. And that that's something that didn't exist at all when mm -hmm. um, when my Mr. Tom was diagnosed. I got a pamphlet that said, here, this is what you could reach the social workers if you need one. 
in the meantime, your husband's dying. Yeah. That was it. In this old, old building that we were on the eighth floor and the elevators were not running well at the time. I mean, it was just like, you could feel all of that sort of hanging in the air around you. Like, oh my God, did you just say he's dying? This is terrible, right? And so, uh -huh. and nothing, nothing, nothing was offered to you. So it's come a really long way and I'm glad about that, but I still think we have a ways to go. And, you know, we definitely with the disease, there still isn't a cure. There are some potentially great treatments out there from my understanding. So there's more and more positive movement, but it'll be too late for us when it's too late for you. And we can still talk about the emotions and how we got through our days and how we go, how we look towards the future. You know, I think we have a pretty good perspective on life, you and I. I agree. And we do a lot with our knowledge. We're willing to share it. We want to share it. Thinking through VA benefits and care for veterans with ALS and their caregivers is our, we have that first edition written and we're, we're working on the second one. And so if you're a veteran with ALS listening or, or the caregiver of a veteran listening, you know, we'll put a link to that. You can get a Kindle free edition. It's $10 for the hard copy. And we're working to update that. And that's, you know, not about the emotions of the disease specifically. It's more about how to get through the VA. Because for me, that's very, it's been very frustrating over the years to be trying to get the care that, that he needs through the VA. Not in the last few years, but in the those first few years were really tough. Yeah. And so we did, both and I, both you and I have done a lot of that and you have a lot of experience on the skill care side. So we'll talk about all those kinds of things and, um, and we'll but be, I think listeners, will be funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was going to say, I think listeners need to realize that we're, we're direct, we're straightforward. Um, we, we, we often laugh at things. Most people are not going to laugh at and quickly we'll say things like, oh, that's the ALS humor. Um, but it goes back to even that gallows humor that the military has. I think, you know, we just, you adopt it when you're in, you know, situations where there's very little control and you just have to, you have to find the humor somewhere. Well, we so have, that's, no, go yeah. ahead. <laughs> well, I was just going off that gallows humor is um, on our, on the cover of our podcast, you see the pictures of us, which we both really like because we still know how to smile even through the rough times. And on the clipboard, you see Tom's Troops, which is your blog. And we'll put a link to that in the notes as well. And then you see a hashtag, which says what, Laura? What is the hashtag? Oh, is it a, wait a minute. I have to write it because it's an acronym. <laughs> I got I have my, uh, you know, uh, widow brain. Um, is it our, um, gosh, see, you just caught me. Two. Our um, uh, two widows in a Winnebago. Yeah, that's what that's it. <laughs> so there you go. It's been something we've been thinking about for, I don't know, probably two years now. Put me on the spot, Mary. Yeah, well, well it happens. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I yeah, didn't it is, yeah, it was something that we were talking about because I don't, I mean, I know for me, there would be like times when Tom and towards the end, Tom was traped and vented and fully paralyzed. And, and I would, it would be late at night and I would fight sleep because it was easier to stay up all night instead of going to sleep and keep waking up whenever there was alarms. And it was at night that I would 
get on like VRBO or I look at vacations and think, well, what is my post ALS life going to be like? What am I going to do? I'm, you know, I'm in my fifties and you know, what am I going to do? And I think that's kind of where that came up that we were, it came up as a joke. I think you and I were talking about when your journey is over and mine was over, we would just load up in an RV and just be two widows in a Winnebago traveling the U.S. And that kind of has stuck. Two widows in a Winnebago. It's planning your future a little bit, which we, yeah. may, we may or may not ever get there. It's hard to know. I'm in my 60s, but I do like that plan because it gives me a little bit of hope that there's some life after this that would be, that'll be fun. And I think we also talked about having our sons be the drivers and stuff. Yeah. I don't feel like doing shit. And we would, we would just <laughs> carry our yoga mats with us and, yeah. and meet caregivers throughout the U.S. and, yeah. and have fellowship with them and talk to them and, and show them they weren't alone. It was just our way of, again, another, I think it's just another way of giving back because this community is, it needs it. This community really needs people to, you know, provide tangible help. That's, that's what I, I needed was tangible assistance. Yeah. And we gave that to each other a lot. I mean, you give it more now. I mean, I'm in just in a different place than I was even a year ago. So I'm always grateful to be able to reach out to you and share this stuff. And when it gets, what did we say earlier? Just more. It's just more. Sometimes life just gives you just more. Just more. <laughs> a bunch of shit <laughs> it is so sometimes keeping that alive you know two widows in a winnebago i think we're going to get that um a sign on on the side and then we'll take our podcast on the road i agree and it could be like where's waldo where's the widows and people just <laughs> find us all over the u.s there's a guy on the again tiktok that posts things like you know find me here and People are able just to find him wherever he is in, in the world. And so that'll be us. It'll be two widows in a Winnebago and just find Waldo. Where's Waldo? I might be really old when that happens, but we're still going to do it. That's okay. Our boys will drive us yeah. and they can stay in the Winnebago and we'll sleep in nice hotels. <laughs> oh, I love it. So that, So that's what our podcast is about. It's going to go in many different directions. That's what was my experience of this caregiver life. We sometimes didn't know what direction we were going to go in. And we don't have any pres prescribed way of doing our podcast. We haven't settled on whether we will have guests. I, I sometimes like having guests because they introduce new information, a new way of thinking about things. We can learn from them and they can learn from us. So it's mm -hmm. having guests so sometimes is pretty cool. I would love to have some cows, which is, you know, if you don't know that term, that's a caregiver for someone with ALS is a cows. Pals is a person with ALS. I would like to have some cows on to talk about their experience. Um, Non-VA, VA, doesn't matter. Um, there's all different kinds of variants of this disease out there. Some people have more frontal temporal dementia. Um, some start more with their bodies and then also have the FTD. That's what frontal, frontal temporal dementia is. And I see some of that happening in my Tom, which I think we could also talk about on the podcast um, is the lonesomeness that comes with that. It's not just mm -hmm. the physicality of the disease and how you miss the intimacy of that and the 
and just the lovingness of being able to be voluntarily touched by somebody else that you're not getting anymore. But it's also the lonesomeness of not having the company of the person that you care about. And you can really yeah. miss that even, even more than the physical touching, because it's hard to, to bring your spirituality together, to bring plans together, to keep moving forward together, even if it's getting through the day. A lot of that falls to us as caregivers with ALS, that we're having to drive all of that in our life. And that can really be, can be a challenge. So it'd be nice to get some more voices on here and um, and certainly humor is a part of our life. I couldn't get through this without humor. I'd be, yeah. I'd be done. I'd be on all the drugs. <laughs> yeah. If I didn't have humor and, and, you know, how do you live with all this? Like you used to doing so much. I remember talking to you when um, your Tom got trached and my Tom was in the hospital, very sick, just soon after that. And you said, no, I'm going to have to leave my job, which is the first thing you said to me, practically the first thing you said to me when we met in person for the first time, you said, am I going to have to leave my job? And I said, probably. And so it's amazing. We're still friends because I think you wanted to throw darts at me or something, you know, because you were like, I'm not leaving my job. You have no idea. You, yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. Right. And I was like, okay, but that's okay. Cause I'm going to say it to you anyway. I don't, you yeah. asked me, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I'm not going to tell you that you're, you're never going to contemplate leaving your job. I don't know if you will, would have left your job. I mean, for all I know, he could have died three days later. Right. And then you would have never left your job. Yeah. But the point is you could, you likely will have at some point, unless you have an incredible amount of care in your home, which most of us aren't going to have. So probably but you still didn't like it though. And that's okay. You didn't have to like it. No, I didn't like hearing that. Um, and I wasn't, I guess I wasn't prepared because we were still, uh, we met, I think we met in 2017, which would have been just a year into our diagnosis. And there was so much I didn't know about it that, I mean, now I'm all about, you know, work hard or work smart, not hard. And that's why I, I think I really um, was attracted to you as far as like, you know, I liked what you had to say. You were very honest, very straightforward, which is what I knew I needed to get through this. And yeah, I mean, I wasn't always happy with the stuff that you would say, but I'll be honest, Mary, you were always right. <laughs> and so, I mean, I did have to leave. I did have to leave a job, a career that I loved. Um, in 2019, in, in one decision, yes, let's get a trade. I knew that that I could no longer go back. Even if we had skilled care and, and lots of care in the home, my emotional and mental ability to concentrate on anything other than Tom was non-existent. I mean, there were days that I was surprised I could stream words together and and you know create a thought. It was just that that hard physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. And but we got through it. You know, we would talk and have really open conversations, which is really kind of what I think, you know, we both are wanting for this podcast and with our listeners is to bring them in and have those open conversations where maybe they can work smart 
and not hard and have caregivers come in and help expand the things you know we may say something they're like oh yeah we you know we went through that up oh, you have a visitor coming in here she comes <laughs> miss rory the black lab here she's waking up from a coma um yeah i think we we will explore all those things oh, yeah. and, um we'll we'll change topics as we need to change topics and what's going on around us and how we can further help our cows um, process what's going through their lives or you know self-care is huge it's a huge conversation it can be really uh self-care can be kind of ridiculous that that's the first thing people say to us when we can't find a moment to have self-care it can be perceived as being um you know just getting your nails done or you know when people say one, one time the first time you and I were really texting I was waiting to get a mammogram, the screening mammogram. And you said to me, how did you find the time for that? And I said, I don't know, I just had to find the time. I just had to make sure that I got it done. It was my age, it was the right time to do it. And I I think that that's self-care, but I don't think that that's self-care. I think that that's a responsibility that you must do that. For me, self-care has a different kind of meaning. And I would like to explore that over a couple of podcasts, what that means to me. And I don't, I don't own the definition of self-care. I just think it's, it's a conversation that we can have because you struggled with how to find oh, yeah. time for yourself, but you came up with some good things, your hammock. You came up with, you know, sitting on your hammock, looking at travel places. You know, we can talk about those different things of, of how we found time to find just a little piece of ourselves, which is so important. To me, that's really the essence of self-care for me is to not lose myself 100% completely in this terrible disease. Oh, oh yeah. Like when people would tell me in the beginning self-care, it was the things, well, you should go get a massage. You should go get your nails done, go get a, a pedicure. And it's like that, I would just sit there and worry that that would not bring me any, any peace in my heart, not at all. And it did, it took me a long time to even carve out a few minutes to see that I was, worthy enough for self-care to worthy enough um that I wasn't being selfish for taking time away from me that was a hard one for me is is not just taking the time but not being feeling guilty mm -hmm. about the time I took for myself oh, yeah. and you helped me through that and and talking with other caregivers helped me through that and so I that's what is important is this community you need to have you need to have people to help you get through this. I just don't know how people do it alone. I don't know either. So we'll we'll explore more of that as well. For now, we're going to sign off because we're going to go do an advocacy meeting with the Veterans IMALS team on skill care with the VA. Very excited, very important. We have three minutes left for to wrap it up. So um, we I look forward to wherever we're going to go with this podcast. So I think it's going to be comfortable for us and good for us to do and i hope that other people ask questions if you want to be a guest send us an email they'll be in the notes if there's topics you want us to talk about or you have questions about our journey and and maybe we touched on it and you want to hear more about it um yeah we'll talk about it or as much as that we you know as much as we can i think i'm a bit more open now that tom has passed and i've had a year to kind of process the grief and the trauma of caregiving and 
and everything that I think I can be a little more, more open in my I discussions. Think, yeah, I think so too. I think you will too. And I, I may be a little more guarded because we're, we're, it's a lot of we're in the middle of it me right now. And um, we'll just see where we go with that. When you put something like this out there on the internet, you, you do want to protect your loved ones in the best way mm -hmm. possible without compromising your story. I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at being able to do both. We'll, we'll see how it goes. I like to sign off with um, just more. <laughs> okay. Just more. Just more. And we'll, we'll talk later. Okay. I'll see you later. Actually, I'll see you in um, one minute. Okay. That sounds good. Bye. Bye. <laughs>